everyone, and welcome to the Balanced Purpose Podcast. My name is Ray Trevino, and I am your host. Each week, we will explore the essential elements of living a fulfilling, balanced, and meaningful life. Our podcast brings together entrepreneurs, business executives, coaches, and everyday people like you and me who have seen challenges and have overcome adversities to create success and find balance in their lives. Whether you're a young professional seeking to make an impact in your career, a parent looking to balance work and family life, or a retiree seeking to create a new purpose, our podcast is something for everyone. So join us as we delve into the world of living a balanced and purposeful life and discover how you can create a life of balance and purpose for yourself. Today's guest is a high-performance coach whose mission is to coach, motivate, and inspire others to believe in themselves so they can live their dreams. I'd like to welcome Angelo Melchiore to our show. Angelo, man, glad to have you on here. How you doing today? Oh, I love it, Ray. Thank you so much for having me. I feel that everyone in this life, we cross paths for a reason. You and I share that belief very strongly. And we met, what, just a week ago? Something like that. I think we both knew this this would happen and the conversation continues. So I'm really excited to see where this goes today. Yeah, on that note, I'd like to welcome you to the show and we are universally connected. But would you mind telling the audience and the listeners a little something about yourself and You have to throw in a fun fact that those that know you won't know. I'll start off with who I am, and that is a father, a husband, a dad times two. I have a boy and a girl, a leader, a coach, a motivator. I have a lot of dashes in there, and I think that our life is not can't be defined with one word or even a sentence. It's very hard to do. So those dashes will continue to pile on as as life moves on. I grew up in the staffing industry for about 12 years, Uh, been in leadership since 2016. So a little over seven years of leadership experience, which I was a coach that entire time. That was my leadership style, being in the trenches with my team, very big into personal development with them. I told them it doesn't matter how much time you spend with me. I just want you to be a better person when you leave. So whether that's a day, a week, a month, a year, I don't care. I just want you to truly be a better person inside and outside of work. And now I'm a coach living that life. So you gave the intro, I'm a performance coach. We can get into that uh, more later. Uh, but this really is my purpose in life that this it's life has a funny way of working for us. And how I ended up on this path is pretty interesting. But the fun fact about me, I had shared this with you, Ray, but Nick doesn't know. And a lot of people listening won't know either is I have this that's very serious, a very wild goal. I want to be the fastest man a hundred years old plus in the 100 meter dash. Currently at the world record, I believe is somewhere around 43 seconds. And I thought that was such a fascinating goal to have because probably six, seven years ago, I saw this little documentary on TV and I saw this elderly man. Just He looked like he was 70, but he was 102. Oh, wow. And he was just working out every day. And he said that we don't get old, we just stop moving. And I loved it because that's me. I joke and say I'm training for life when I'm an athlete, but it's not like I have one specific sport that I concentrate on. So I'm training for life because I always want to be in a position that when I'm a grandfather, I don't have to say no to my grandkids. And they say, hey, you want to go to the beach? You want to go play football? You want to go for a run? Yeah, I want to be that 70, 80, 90 year old man that's out there jogging. I may not be going too fast, but hey, it's a battle of attrition, right? So I may be, I'm going to be the fastest my age group one of these days. I'm determined. 
I'll be looking out for that. Yeah. Hopefully I make it. Let's see. How old will I be? If that year 100 years old, I'll be 110. So that's my new goal, to watch Angelo be the fastest 100-meter yes. runner in the world. <laughs> I love it. Now, you said that you had an interesting path and journey Let's hear about that. Let's talk about that a little bit and kind of get into your mindset and where it started. Well, I came into the staffing business, something to prove. I had a chip on my shoulder because growing up in, in middle school and high school, I wasn't exactly the most studious of students. I am the epitome of C's and D's, get degrees. I met my wife in high school of 98 kids. And we never once dated, never once hung out in the same group of friends. We met summer after high school and we've been together ever since. And I joke because I said that even though we were in school together, we didn't have a single class because she had all the honors classes and I had the complete opposite. And I realized it's it's because you know I wasn't motivated by school at the time because I just felt that you need people that hear and see you. And I didn't have that. I believed the story that I wasn't smart enough. I wasn't good enough. I, you know, I quit sports after 10th grade year because you know, my path then, honestly, it was like, oh, man, just doing drugs is so much cooler than playing sports. And now I know that that's obviously completely false. But I don't have any regrets because everything that happens in our life is for a reason. And you don't know what path you would have went down if you didn't go on the paths that you were. So when I went into college, applied to one school, went to Bloomsburg High School, applied to Bloomsburg University, really branched out. Now it's a good <laughs> university, but that just goes to show that I wasn't in that mindset that academics was really for me. I wanted to just get to work and, and I wanted to prove myself and I wanted to change that story. So I, I came in with a chip on my shoulder. I got a degree in partying too early or like my associates in it very early on. So I ended up taking five years instead of four years. Towards the end of it though, I declared my major junior year. It was communication studies with an organizational development flair. So I had the business side of it. And that's when I had teachers that really heard and saw me. I was in college in a 100% commission role, doing a every young kid's dream, selling washers, dishwashers, fridges, vacuums at Sears Home Appliances. There's still a few Sears around there, I think, <laughs> unless they went totally bankrupt. And it gave me the taste of money and what it was like to how hard you work, you get that back in return. So as a 18, 19, 21 year old, I'm making 12, 13, 14 bucks an hour. And you know, you got to go to Chick-fil-A to do that and work 40 hours a week. Now I was working 30 hours a week doing that, loving it, paid for everything I wanted to do. And the teachers that I had there really saw my potential in the communication studies courses. Dr. Janet Bodeman was a big one. She would call on me every single class because I was one of the only kids that actually had a job and a job that correlated directly with what we were doing using my communication, my sales, you know, my, my personal skills. And it made me realize that I had that gift of working with people and sales and building relationships. It was very meaningful. It just came natural to me that a lot of people have to work hard at that. So that's where it comes when I say I came into recruiting the chip on my shoulder because I told everyone and their mother that I was going to make six figures in less than five years. And I had two job offers come out of school, one for enterprise rent a car for like $34,000 and, you know, you have the management trainee stuff. And I said, I want to be a manager. Yes. And I had the opportunity to go work at a company called the Judge Group, which is a national staffing firm. And it was $27,000. So at 21 years old or 22 at the time, I passed up an additional $7,000 because I knew that I was meant for that business. 
because it paired together a lot of my strengths. I'm a connector at heart and I like to hustle and I, I like to see that the work that I put out there, I'm getting it back on return. And it was very heavy commission based. And no one believed me at the time that I would make what I did. And I thought that I would just feel so good when it happened. Did it in about three and a half years. And I remember that feeling of getting that. And I'm like, what's next? I thought I would have arrived. But you make more money. We didn't live a create our lifestyle has never fully like came up with the money. But there are a lot of things that you get used to and you find a way to spend money and everything. So, you know, for the next seven and a half, eight years, it was my journey of like, all right, well, just chasing titles, chasing money, chasing that feeling of I have arrived. And it led me to a point where I had a breakdown in November 2020. That was my rock bottom. I was making multiple six figures. I was leading a multi-million dollar project. I was leading 30 to 40 people on this project. I've never had one bad performance review. I was like the mayor at this place. Everyone loved me, had opportunities to continue moving up. But I had this reflection point where I said, not taking anything away from anyone here when I say this, but when you look at your next opportunity, think, is that who I want to become? Is that the lifestyle I want to live? Is that the balance? Is that my purpose? And I realized that wasn't me. And I was left with a lot of unfulfilled feeling because the paychecks didn't mean anything to me. The titles didn't mean anything. And I broke down because I bought into that David Goggins mindset of just grind and hustle. And that's where men, that's what we're taught to do. Just grind and hustle more. That's what it takes. So I got even bigger into physical fitness. Spartan racing is my ultimate jam. I love Spartan races. I'll throw that out to anyone. Normally I'm wearing a Spartan t-shirt, but today I'm sporting the here brotherhood. I was burning myself from multiple ends of the candle, not just two, but three, four, because I'm a dad with two kids at working from home, being a parent at home. And when you work from home, you're living at home, right? So you work where you live and you live where you work. So you never get away. So I'm working nonstop hours. I mean, we're making lots of money, catching in deals at odd hours of the night, early hours in the morning. I'm also training for a marathon. I'm burning myself out that way, thinking I just need to do more, 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 more. I'm waiting for this feeling of getting it. And I've always had this dream of having my own business and doing coaching. And I thought, you know, when I, when I left this company after 11 years, after I had my breakdown, which nobody knew until I posted about it just a couple of weeks ago, because I held everything together very close to the vest. And I still like, I just fully believe no matter what you're dealing with, I'm like, I just believe in giving your hundred percent to where you're at. So I always did that. And it was just very hard because I, I felt trapped. It was like the golden handcuffs, right? Where mm -hmm. you make such good money. You're an idiot for leaving it and doing something that you really want to do because you are it's that false belief that we can't possibly go do what we love and get paid for it you might as well be a, a, a beach bum right you want to do that surf, surf all day you know living under the boardwalk people think that's what you got to do you know but i got two kids i'm the, my wife's a teacher and I, i've just felt that intense pressure which you know after i had that breakdown i honestly that was like that moment that life happened for me that said, get it together. And I share in my post about it that night. I didn't even know if I wanted to be here or not. The story I told myself is that everything would be better without me. You know, my kids don't really need me. My wife doesn't need me. She's awesome. And I can't burden her with any of these feelings I really have inside. And, you know, she helped me get through that. 
And I had a vision that came through of my kids and my wife, like what it was like. And this was like a nanosecond when I'm in my car and I didn't like that. So right then and there, I decided to change and I'm, you know, I know I'm not sharing the full story. So I'll just tell if you want the full story, go check out my post on it. It's a better way to dive deep into that. And I wrote a journal entry, just crying. And at the end of it, I said, the change starts now. And I look back at that from time to time. And I just, I just feel the power in that, that even in like my, my darkest, deepest moments, like I knew what to do. And my wife has been my rock through the whole thing. And once I got clarity, that was what I needed. And, you know, nobody wants to be in that spot and hit a rock bottom because our, our rock bottoms come in many different forms. But that was that moment that I've been living intentionally 100% of the time, all day, every day, because I, I refound my purpose. I knew that I loved leading and coaching, but I forgot that many days. And I realized that, that that's what I love to do. You know, the industry itself that I was in didn't really love the inner workings and a lot of the behind the scenes stuff anymore. It was leaving me very unfulfilled because I wasn't living my greater purpose. But in any job, if you don't love it, that's not, you don't have to love your job, but I guarantee that everyone, their purpose is out there in that job that they're in, in some form. It could be very small. Maybe you only get to do it 10% of the time, but focus on that. And for me, that was leading and coaching. So that got me to a spot where I said, wow, I can utilize this every single day. I'm with my teams. That's my job. I'm a leader. I'm a coach. So get excited, be excited for life, show up to work every day day and pour yourself into the team. So you could ask any one of my past team members. I mean, I have a ton of recommendations on my LinkedIn profile, but like they will tell you that I heard them and I saw them. I can guarantee there's not one bad egg in there. Maybe there is, it's just how it's worked. You can't be hundred percent. So I'll take that back, right? <laughs> I'll say 99%. So I don't bite myself in the butt there, but that completely shifted my mindset and allowed me to just be me, but I was still living in this box. And for me, I said, all right, well, what do I want to do? So after nearly 11 years, after I, you know, I got professional help by the way, too. So I recommend that to anyone. Don't just feel you got to do it, you know, by yourself, take mental health seriously. And when you're at a point that you need help, there's a lot of people that love you. You're never alone. So get that help. And I got to that point where I started getting clarity. And for me, honestly, right. It was, okay, it's time to do coaching. I've always wanted to get into to leadership training and development and I'll do it totally different. I'll open a fitness studio, but I'll also have conference rooms with it. I'll do retreats. I'll bring these leaders in. I will work on their physical self and I will work on their mindset. In the meantime, be totally different than the corporate trainings that are out there today where you sit in a conference room for two, three days, very little breaks. And they just, it's all about the corporate process and systems and how to be an ABC leader. Everyone has a great tagline for it. You feel really good for, you know, the next couple of days and everything you learned is gone. You don't retain it. But I believe that if we work on ourselves in just a deeper way and that true mindset work and the, the inner work, it's, it's really going to stick because you're going to show up with, by who you're meant to be. But I talk myself out of it because just there's not enough money in it, not good enough, right? You have that self-doubt and, you know, is it really my purpose? Not really like understanding, you know, where it's coming from. And again, the golden handcuffs and, you know, how am I possibly ever going to get a new job? I'm making a ton of money. No one's ever going to pay me this. 
And I did what I do best is I focused my, my energy and intentions on what I was looking for. And I said, all right, well, I'll scrap that, but I want to expand my leadership skills. So I used think it, feel it, be it, visualized everything about, you know, what I wanted. And that was leadership growing from the people aspect, not the process side. I had enough of that. So I wanted a true people leader to help me just accelerate. And that opportunity found me. I didn't find it. And it was an awesome ride for about 14, 15 months until I was let go. But I got to start stuff from scratch at a big company and it was awesome. And, you know, when it ended, I didn't treat it as just another day. I said, day one, I'm a coach, let's go. And that's when I announced to the world, you know, I got let go July 31st. And as soon as I got off the call, my boss like letting me go that same day. Sure, I was angry, human emotions, what's the, it's the experience, it's natural. As soon as I got off, I was like, okay, number one, cost saving mode. Okay, don't live a lavish lifestyle, but let me cancel a few things to you know get things down. And on the way home, I was like, okay, all right, I'm a coach. Let's do this. What do I do best when you're in a tough spot? Just work out of it. So I'm going to wake up at 5 a.m. I set my alarm. I said, I'm going to get my sandbags and I'm going to do some hill repeats and I'm going to good sweat on when the sun comes up. I'm not missing the sunrise on the first day as the new me. And that feeling was amazing. I have a video or audio recording of it that now I just remembered. I got to go back and hear what I said because I didn't want to forget that moment. It was beautiful, and I knew at that moment on I was never looking back. I may shift back into corporate in some form, just out of maybe necessity at some point, but I know it's not forever. I know exactly what I'm meant to do, and that is to coach and help others believe in themselves. Like I'm an average dude on a mission to inspire, mm. and honestly, my main mission is to inspire seven million people. I came up with that over a year ago when I was working with someone. Like, well, what do you want? How many people? What do you think? You know, impact is the word. And I was like, seven million people, and it's not going to be one on one. I'm not going to know who those seven million people are. It's going to be that multiplying effect. That one person I help, someone else, someone else, someone else. So that is the very long-winded answer, but I think that'll give you a lot of spots to dive into that you want to hear more on. But I think it's important just to understand that, you know, a lot of people look at me right now and they're inspired by how I'm, you know, they say dealing with my situation, but I don't think it's dealing with it. I'm just being me. And, you know, they have that belief in themselves. I'm not giving them any beliefs. It's, it's in them. So I want to show them what's possible when you are actually in control. And it's, it's through our mindset that anything's possible. The sky is not the limit, our mind is. And I wanted everyone to know I'm just an average dude who has had struggles just like you and the next person. I'm not somebody special. And they see me doing a lot of great things on LinkedIn, but that's the highlight reel, but I'm very vulnerable on there too. So you see when I struggle, I share my inner thoughts but I want to show people how to work through it and normalize all of that. That's great. You know, being vulnerable is one of the best things you can be. Being an open book lets people know that you are real. They can relate and then they can continue to move forward and ask for help and whatever it may be. Something that I found really fascinating on your profile were two words, unbreakable mindset. Where did that come from? Spartan races. It's actually a t-shirt that I have that I wear often. It says unbreakable is a mindset. And I was on the search for, you know, what could my slogan be? What, what do I like really believe in? And I think that when it hit me, I had this thought that we bend, but we don't break. So truly as, as humans, as long as you're still on this earth, you have two feet above ground, you haven't broken. It may feel like you're in pieces, but sometimes you got to 
moving to different pieces, you're putting a different puzzle together constantly. So in reality, I think that we truly are unbreakable and everything is tied to our mindset. 100% everything, our career, our relationships, you know, how our physical appearance, everything starts with our mindset. So that's where that came from. That's awesome. I love that. I love that phrase. I'm going to use it. Another thing too about bending and shattering is that when you look at the analogy of the body and how it builds itself back up after like a broken bone, it only comes back stronger, right? So your body doesn't go through the same trauma again. Sure, there's a scar or whatever it may be. However, it's built back in a stronger form. Now, when you were talking about your uh, your path, something that stood out that was very, very strong. Number one, you didn't sit back and complain about it. You just kept moving and you moved forward. But you said something that was impactful. It said a lot of people don't think that they can make a career or make money out of something that they like doing. You know, and when you break down your purpose and you think about it, you can go back to the old Japanese ikigai. You take something that you're good at something that you enjoy, something that the world needs and something that people would pay for. I mean, that creates your purpose right there because at the end of the day, you can create something out of anything. I wrote a post or something on a blog about not knowing what you're doing and being in that state and and you commented on it and your comment was perfect because everybody started at ground zero, not knowing what it is or what they're doing. And now we have businesses and tons and tons of streams of income now, I want to go back to prior to high school as a child. Did you have an unbreakable mindset back then? No, not okay. at all. That's another thing I like to get across to people is it, it's not that I was always like this. And it's, it's always a work in progress. So number one, you will never, ever eliminate feelings of self-doubt or those negative thought patterns. It is just the human experience. So what we look to do with our mindset is to reduce the time that we sit in those negative thoughts and those feelings that push us to a place that, you know, what I've learned is called the primal state where it's those emotions and feelings that are not useful to us. Because if you look at emotions that way, instead of positive and negative, it's, is it useful or not useful? Because I could be angry and fearful and that could be very useful in the right context. So just because I'm angry doesn't mean that it's primal. But when I when I've learned that it's that awareness and tracking so you know exactly where you're at. And as a kid, I had so much self-doubt. I had confidence like on the outside. If I had a dollar for every time someone said, oh, I wish I had your confidence, I wouldn't be here, right? Because I'd be retired right now. I've always mm-hmm. been so good at pushing that outward because confidence comes and goes. It really does. And, and sometimes I really felt it. You all know when you get in that flow state, you're in the zone and you're really feeling it. But as soon as that goes away, it's like, like you plummet. And I was that kid that no matter what, I looked at everyone else. I didn't say it. I'm like, that person knows more than me or they're better than me or walk on the court. This person's so much better. And there's times where I walk on, say, a basketball court. I'm like, no one can guard me. Actually, that's true. I'm not very good offensively, but defensively, (laughs) you know, I'm, I'm a very strong defender. So I could say, hey. I can guard anyone. Give me the best player out there, right? And I'm really feeling it. It just comes and goes, right? So yeah, no, as, as a kid, I, I, w- I was not like that. And then you mentioned something about drugs, going into drugs in high school. Did it become a problem for you? Or was it something that was just recreational that you just moved on from? At the time, I didn't see it as a problem. And I still won't say it was a problem because it led me to where I am today. So I don't really view those things, again, as positive or negative. It's 
was that useful for me in my in my long track and now i can say it's useful because it enabled me to get that kick in the butt from life to say hey, you need to cut this stuff out and then get yourself on, on a good track but did i overuse yeah 100 percent. you know for me i was you know it's the cool thing that you know you smoke weed in, in high school and i had a fro believe it or not it was out here i'll show you the picture someday so like i was the stereotypical you know there's the pothead but i got along with everyone like every single different class of people in in high school like i was that guy that got along with everyone so I, again i won't change anything you know I, I had my fun it didn't harm anyone it you know did it harm my potential at the time. Yeah, absolutely. I was a good athlete. And if you know, you could actually rewrite stuff. Yeah, I mean, I, I would I'd be lying, but I know it's all for a purpose. So I wouldn't actually truly wish that. But if you said you had to change something like no matter what, like, so yeah, I'd, I'd change that because I'd want to see where my athletic career could have went. Very nice. You and I are a lot alike. I got along with everyone. I get along with everyone. It's something that's never changed. And First and foremost, I mean, relationships are the biggest thing. And yes, that is the hardest thing to teach someone, right? The sincere love and need for relational value, right? We're, we're here for community. We're here for each other. And once people can understand that, I think the better the world will flow. However, now we're fighting with AI and all the fun stuff, which is a positive, right? But how do we build the relationships through it, with it, and create something better for all of us? which is a, a huge question. Now, now that you are on this new path, how do you define purpose in your life? Purpose, to me, it's when you follow that calling that's more of a pull, not a push. I saw this from a new friend of mine, Brian Sagre, had posted it, the pull versus push, where the pull feels natural. You're drawn to it. And when you're pushed into something, there's there's kind of that resistance. You're being forced into it. And for me, I wake up every day and when I have coaching calls or consultations or I'm creating my posts, I feel amazing. It doesn't feel like work to me. And the the comments and the feedback that I get every time that I feel I maybe I'm not connecting with someone or I wasn't good enough, or you know, are people actually following? I will get a text DM call an appointment book that just reconfirms my purpose that I am really helping people. And it's truly been amazing hearing that feedback. When I hear people say like, you're changing my life or one person said, you have healing powers, brother. And I was like, uh, <clears throat> I'm sorry, what, excuse me. And that's when you realize like your prayer feels so good to be paid for something that you love doing. Mm. And sure there's, there, there's, tasks that I have to do that aren't extremely fulfilling. I don't like the admin work. I don't love organization, but you have to do that. It's just part of it. So no matter what, you can't 100% of the time only be doing your purpose, right? Because like, is my admin work my purpose? No, but it serves my greater purpose. Things that I, I need to get done so I can do more of what I'm meant to do. And that's that feeling for me. And it's very subtle a lot of times and you trust you have to it's in your gut your gut never lies so when your purpose finds you you'll know it's that gut feeling that you know it's meant because i think there's a lot of people out there that know that they're meant for more but they don't feel that they're really capable of it and they hold themselves back out of that fear that self-doubt what'll happen they've been hurt before you know as kids or 
teenagers or early adulthood and subconsciously their mind holds them back because they don't want to get hurt again. And that's what that inner critic is there for, is actually to help us from getting hurt. So we have those negative self-talk patterns, but it's, it's really to keep us safe. It's not actually to harm us. It's to keep us from a place that is, you know, we're trying to push past our change and, and really live our purpose. But that's scary because it takes getting out of our comfort zone. So you have that inner critic come in and says, you're not good enough. No, like no one's going to pay you for that. You don't know, have enough time. You don't have enough experience. This isn't the right path for you. And when you have that self-doubt, that's resistance. And on the other side of resistance is something amazing. And you're never going to know unless you step into it. And it doesn't have to be a big change. Find that one little baby step that you can take. You may not know the direction, but just take a step in any direction then. And then you're going to, you know, find out, is that really for me? If it's just a small step, don't make big, massive shifts and changes in other directions. And that's how your purpose will find you by just taking action. You know, the difficult thing in that is that so many of us live with embedded traumas, generational traumas, childhood traumas that just stretch and grow and grow and you don't even know they're there. And that is one of the biggest reasons for fear. And I, I speak for myself because I, I too am an advocate of, of therapy. I go to a therapist, I see somebody quite often and we unlock and talk about different things. And now we're getting into different spiritualities and other processes. But when I started with her, of course, I had I had an alcoholism problem. And so that was that was one of the main drivers is to figure out why I liked it so much. Right? We started digging into things that I didn't even know existed. You know, and we're still finding stuff that I didn't even know were there when I was four or five years old. And when the traumas come to light, it's like an aha moment that I'm able to connect that with a feeling I get. Like if I'm out and about and I see somebody that just doesn't feel right and I'm intimidated or whatever it may be, I can reflect back to one of the sessions and be like, oh, that's where that's coming from. You know, when you unravel it, you figure it out and then you're able to slow down and think and, and move past it. But there are so many people out there that are unable to unlock their true potential because they are still held back by something they probably don't even know is there, which is a message that we certainly need to get out through posts. And I'm sure you see a lot of my posts. They deal in the mental health space because we, we need to bring awareness to this because there is so much potential out there to make the world a, a better place, to make people feel better and not hurt because there are millions of people out there that are hurting from things they don't even understand. All great points, and I think I just went off on a tangent. When it comes to this topic, it's something that that I think everyone needs to know, and I appreciate everything that you're doing because I know it's something that you integrate into your practice and your coaching. Now, you are very busy. Do you still wake up at 5 in the morning? No. <laughs> Absolutely not, no. Okay. And I want to I touch on that real quick. So one of one of my big mottos that i'll put in a lot of posts you'll see is you do you i saw that it's that simple with life you do you there's a lot of advice out there there's a lot of content there's all the books podcasts anything that says this is what you have to do to be successful and they have this clear cookie cutter list the 5am club robin sharma nothing against that Jocko, who wakes up at 4.30 and takes a pic, he wakes up his watch, right? He <laughs> says, and if that works for you, great. But honestly, all our bodies are different. Our mindsets are different. Our lifestyles are different. Some have 
no kids, two kids, five kids, 10 kids, work demands, all this other stuff. It's a matter of your priorities. You know, we don't have a time problem. We have a priority problem mm -hmm. and a goal problem, honestly. So do I wake up at 5 a.m. sometimes? Yeah, if I'm purposely training for a race. And I honestly feel like I'm always training. Just that's my mindset. I'm an athlete. So when I work out, I'm actually training for something. And I don't know what that is at the given moment. Actually, I do have a race six months <laughs> from now. But I'm not training like for that race specifically, if that makes sense. Mm. I'm just doing me and I know how my body works and what works best for me. And it's about consistency over intensity. So message Ooh. to everyone, you do you, whatever works for you. Consistency over intensity. I like that. Can't beat someone who stays in the game long enough. Amen. Boom. Yeah. Doing the right things. That is. Yeah. That's how I feel about my fitness. I mean, as long as I'm there doing what I need to do, sweating, making things hurt, I'm good. I like that you say you do you when I found my purpose and changed up my priorities, you know, that's exactly what created my schedule. And, you know, through it, life has just been better. The stress levels are down and so forth. But what does your regular schedule look like? My schedule is kind of all over the place. because I'm one of those people that I treat it like organized chaos in a mm. way. I have my non-negotiables. So that's more how I do. I don't have a particular set order, but my bookends of the day are most important to me. So first of all, too many people talk about the morning. So I'm going to talk about nighttime first because you can't have a good morning if you don't have a good night. So my nighttime routine, the non-negotiables for me come down to after dinner time. I don't eat anything after dinner time unless I want to, which does happen sometimes. I always give myself the flexibility to you do you what works in the moment. And I, I, I stop drinking water after dinner as well. So that you know, we usually get done eating dinner around 7.30 Eastern time and I'm in bed by 10, 10.30. So I am giving my body that time to digest everything. I'm already hydrated throughout the day. So I'm not trying to like chase that hydration down at night. So like my body has all the fuel it needs. So when I go to bed, it has everything to replenish and you know repair itself. And I'm not waking up five times in the middle of the night to go to the bathroom because I chugged a glass of water before I went to bed. And same thing with eating. Sometimes I do this, but if I eat right before I go to bed, I'm not going to sleep well because your body is trying to rest. And when it's trying to digest at night, it's using different energy systems, right? And it's not allowing you to be in that true rest mode. So that's a big non-negotiable for me. I really enjoy journaling before nighttime. I do not take my phone in the room at all. I stopped this a couple of years ago. So my phone stays all the way downstairs and I pick out a meditation for the next morning. So I'll, I'll look and see what meditation do I want to do the next morning, pick it out, put it down. So that's planned. So when I come up to my room, I don't have like a set time because again, I allow for flexibility. So I don't trap myself in a box and feel guilt and shame because I didn't do my perfect schedule. But when I go to bed, I either I have some some books that I'll read some pages sometimes, but honestly, it's mostly journaling and I'll use it as a point of reflection. I'll do a brain dump in there. So I just get everything in my head out. And that usually leads me into a very creative space. Mm. At night, I actually have a creativity problem. I, just, I could write sometimes I'll be in bed at 10. And next thing I know, it's 1130. And I'm still going strong. And I'm like, I need to wrap this up. 
And I'll usually do that until I just get like really tired. Then I just turn my little light off, put the journal down and I fall right asleep. But it is a way of decluttering. Like, you know, the feeling when you like as a man cleaning out your garage, right? It feels so good and it's organized and you're like, <laughs> yes. Well, I clean out my mental garage every night and I declutter that way. So that's a non-negotiable for me. And I do set my alarm. So, you know, in the mornings, you know, I set it for just 10 of seven, nothing crazy. And if I wake up earlier and I want to work out, I'll do it. But a lot of times I'll just, I'll wake up when I wake up. A lot of times it won't be with my alarm. It'll be before and I'll just pick what I want to do. But I know that in the morning for me, my main responsibility is to do something for myself. Then it's my responsibility to get the kids ready for school. So I aim to wake up, get myself dressed real quick and do five to 10 minutes of meditation to set my day up right. And in my journal the night before, typically I'll list out what my intentions are in terms of how I want to show up that next day. So I'll use my emotions to drive that self so I can center myself and say, hey, I want to show the day with peace, love and gratitude or peace, love and confidence. Or if I want to be silly with the kids, right, I'll like put something like that. So as humans, if I, if I get off balance, which I will, then I can ground myself and say, I intended to show up today with peace, love and gratitude. I just got frustrated and yelled at my kids. Let me pause, reflect on that, center myself in those emotions that I chose the night before. And let me go talk to my kids real quick and apologize and let them know how, you know, our emotions make us take actions. And I've had to do that a lot the last couple of days. It's, it's been a roller coaster, but it's, it's just life. Mm -hmm. That's my morning routine. But the, the weekends, honestly, that's, that's my time to get after it. Like that, those are my, you know, I'm always doing something active during the week. I'm active five days a week. That's my golden rule. Just again, you do you. It's rock climbing, running, hiking, walking, strength training. I don't prescribe to a set schedule. I just know five active days and do whatever I feel is right on that day. But the weekends, that's always my long effort. So it's usually like a bike and a run or a hike or a strength and a run, you know, like something. But I aim to just have an absolute blast on the weekends, like Saturday and Sunday, just you know, there's no, just wake up early, no time constraints, like, and, and make a killer breakfast for the family. That is the biggest non-negotiable. Get a workout and a killer breakfast. All right. I've got a few questions out of all of that. That's some exciting yeah, let's stuff. Do it. So let's talk about books. What are some of your favorite books? Right now, my favorite book, it's, it's so short and it's been so impactful just to, in the read is uh, Stephen Pressfield's The Art of War. Mm. Absolutely love that. It's all about how resistance shows up in our life. And it came to me multiple times in forms of people suggesting us. I said, all right, like, I got to check that out. Other than that, I, I'm a big audiobook guy. Mm. I love listening to ultra marathoners and get in their world a little bit. So I, I have a couple books by, say, like Scott Jurek. He's one of the all-time great, you know, ultra runners of our time. Yeah, there's nothing that I'm reading right now outside of The Art of War that I would throw out to all the listeners to recommend. Um, Power of One More by Ed Milet was was an amazing book, right? Like, what if you knew you were just one rep away? Mm -hmm. Would you keep going? Like that, and that that's the whole message. Just you know, continuing to do one more. So I would need some time to think about it, digest, go through. I'm not one to be able to quote books and say this is my favorite book. Here's my favorite line. This author said this. I'm absolutely terrible at that. I'm I, I'm not going to lie. So I'm not going to pretend. You said the right thing. You said right now. 
Because I've got so many books that I have read and so many that I love. I love The Power of One More. The Power of One More was impactful because I, yeah. I too, am somewhat of an athlete. You know, I, I work out and it always rings in my ear when I'm doing that last rep or last set or running that last mile that I could go one more minute, you know, and it's thank yep. you, Ed Milet, for that. Yeah, huge fan. He's awesome. Huge fan. Are you training your kids in the same trajectory as you to be athletes, to get out there, to run, to go hard on weekends? 100%. You know it. I don't force it on them, though, because that just doesn't work. Ed Milet said this. I had picked up on it that it's what is caught more than it is taught that is impactful to mm -hmm. kids. But I'll give you some examples of how I'm creating impact with my kids and all the neighborhood kids around. So, I'm the dad that's always playing with the kids. I'm the one that's always out there. I'm like, I don't understand. Show me the rule or the life book that says you have to stop having fun and you can't be a kid anymore and you have to be on the sideline talking to the other parents and you can't play with the kids because that's just weird, right? Like, show me that. Like, is that in stone somewhere? No. So I'm always the one that's having fun. Like, I'll play tag, play basketball, play football. Like, let kids be kids, right? But if there's an opportunity for me to jump in and play, you best believe I'm getting in there. And we live in a townhome community, so we have built-in friends and you never have to knock on anyone's door, or call anyone. You're just outside. All the kids are outside. And I have a gym inside our garage. So I'm out there all the time. Like I live on Goldenrod Drive. So my driveway, I call it Goldenrod Beach or Venice Beach, right? <laughs> and Muscle Beach. I pull everything out in nice weather. I pull it out to the drive, move the cars, I put all the equipment out on the driveway. So like I, I'm that guy that is always seen out there putting in the work, I'm on my spin bike, or I'm lifting weights, I'm carrying sandbags around, just doing ridiculous stuff, running around the neighborhood that's really hilly. Even when it's snowy outside, I'll be out there and just dress for the weather. And, and every time it snows, I have this just calling to run. That's my favorite time to run in, believe it or not. And the kids pick up on that. And they want to work out with me. So my kids and neighbor kids, we have like play weights, like plastic weights will come in. So you'll see kids like doing curls, <laughs> and, you know, doing this. And I have the battle ropes and they're swinging them. And I'm not kidding. A couple of weeks ago, one of the neighbor kids, like one by one, they all kind of dropped off, you know, with with kind of, you know, working out. Uh -huh. Right. And the one goes, Mr. Angelo, this is awesome. We're burning calories right now. How many calories do you think we're burning? And I'm like, hey, it's not about burning calories. Like we're here to just, you know, put in some good work. And like I try and instill that. But he went longer than me. Oh, wow. <laughs> he kept finding something else to do. And, you know, we went to the park too over the summer. And I carried a sandbag with me, 50-pound sandbag all the way a mile to the park. And in the middle of it, the kids are like, hey, who wants to do push-ups? And they just stop and do push-ups. And guess what? They didn't just do push-ups because I saw it on YouTube. I know they did it because like I do that stuff around the neighborhood and like they are come play at our house. So our kids pick up on that. So I'm guiding my son, trying not to be too hard. And, you know, he's coming into his, his self. I don't want him to get too competitive. I want to give him the freedom to do whatever he wants to do. But I know that if I just show up that way and I'm not forcing it on them, that if they want to do it, they'll do it. And they, they talk about it. So that's just a little story that I, I like to share how you can teach kids without forcing it. On that them. is really cool. Uh, you've got to hang out with me for a day or so. I, I love just to have fun and crack up with the kids. I've got to watch myself sometimes. How old are your kids? Four and about to be seven. Ours are five and six. And I'm trying to teach them not to be as competitive because they fight all day, every day over who's first yeah. on anything. 
Like they'll be up at six in the morning screaming at each other because somebody got to the vitamins <laughs> first. But they'll learn eventually to support each other because they're brother and sister opposed to yeah. go against each other. Now, what's your uh, favorite meal to cook for breakfast? Breakfast is my favorite meal, by the way. hundred percent. I could eat breakfast all day long. And sometimes I do, <laughs> honestly, I make eggs no matter the time of day. Actually, I'll, I'll do that after this call. I'll make some eggs and toast. But for me, number one, there's always going to be bacon involved. Okay, <laughs> So I, I believe in eating nice whole foods and you know nutrition, but don't ever try and take bacon away from me. I don't care. Like I'm going to be relentless on my bacon intake. So uh, number one, it's got to be real bacon. I'll do turkey bacon, but it's got to be real bacon and 100% eggs. I love omelets. So if you give me some bacon some omelets and some freshly cut potatoes and grill them up for some home fries and throw in some toast, just a little bit of jelly. I know me sugar in there, but it tastes good. I don't care. So that's my, just, just put that there for me. That's perfect. That's all I need. Doesn't have to be anything. Fancy. That sounds great. Now, are you Adam Fiore ripped? No, no, no. You- <laughs> I, I saw him. After Adam, Adam. He's, yeah, no way. He's a he's a good friend and that guy is just completely lean like but he eats so perfect. I don't think he'll do jelly on any of his toast. Yeah. Right? No. <laughs> yeah, Nick's saying no. <laughs> he's not doing toast. <laughs> he's not doing toast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm okay with that. For me again, you do you whatever works for your lifestyle. Don't do that. That's why I don't prescribe any, you know, big fad diets and it's like it's never going to work. It's just pick a lifestyle that's good for you. So I eat how I want to eat. I, if I have a quote unquote bad day, just don't have another bad day the next day. Just be intentional about it and give yourself, you know, the, the grace. Like, you know what? I'm going to eat a sleeve of Oreos tonight because I really want it. And just don't do that again tomorrow and the next day. Right. Just yeah. know, okay, well, you know, eat, eat well, you know, the next few days to balance it out. Yeah. Many moons ago when I was a personal trainer over at Lifetime Fitness, that's how I would train my clients. Just don't do it all the time. If you want to eat those Oreos or eat that burger or whatever, just don't do it all the time. Of course, now you can get burgers and gluten-free Oreos and tacos all organic. So it makes it a lot easier. Now, moving on, in the midst of all the chaos and crazy world that we live in, how do you stay focused on your purpose? It's difficult sometimes because of all the resistance out there. Like right now, I'm facing a lot of resistance, right? This is from The Art of War, where it's the perfect time that I read it. So it was meant to be that I read it at this current time. Resistance can come in forms of people, other opportunities, just distractions. And I'm facing a lot of that right now because there are opportunities that are potentially pulling me away from my coaching. And I know that at a deep level, it's because I'm on to something. I've felt the shift that for my purpose, I I, I feel it moving in the right direction. I'm, I'm riding the wave and I'm keeping the pedal to the floor. But there are other opportunities that could be good for my family, right? To another revenue stream. And I'm trying to do a focused work on that to see, hey, is this resistance? Is this actually a detractor? Is it is it worth my energy, attention? Because where our attention goes, our energy flows. So I'm like, what am I getting back in return? How much is it taking away from my purpose? So for me, it's the power and the pause. You just have to slow down because it's a, like you said, it's a whirlwind. It's crazy out there. There's a lot of distractions and it's very easy before you know it, right? I'm not a TikTok guy, but like to use that as the, the rabbit hole or like Reddit, you're like, I'm just going to take a minute and a minute turns into an hour mm-hmm. and it's gone, right? 
So for me, I just, you know, I, I've gained hyper awareness, you know, to my emotions and my thought patterns where I pick up on when I'm feeling overwhelmed, I, I know there's something there. And if I can't pinpoint it in the current moment, I don't take any like serious action towards it. Like I'm sitting back, like I'm doing right now and I'm evaluating, I'm journaling about it. You know, I, I focus on it during my meditation and I, you know, after this, honestly, I'm going to take a walk and kind of decompress and think through some things before my next call. And if, I, if it feels off, then don't do it. And it, it's hard to say no, which I'm finding right now it is. Mm-hmm. And I'm working through that. So it's just power in the pause to sum it up is what I would suggest for anyone to use to slow down, to go fast. That's great advice. That's great advice for anything. You know, uh, now there are many people struggling to find their purpose and meaning in life. What's some advice you would give to let's say a younger Angelo who's kind of lost and transitioning and really looking to find meaning. I'm that person who's one to two steps ahead of you. It's that simple. You can do it alone. There's a saying that I've seen it multiple people post it. So I don't know where the credit comes from, but it says we can go fast alone, but far together. Mm. And when you have that feeling of self doubt, it's because you deeply care about something and you don't think it's possible, again, that's a form of resistance, that self-doubt. And on the other side of that resistance is something great. It's something that you love, that you are meant to do. And it's really scary to make that leap. Again, you may be in a situation where you have, like I was with the golden handcuffs. What I would say is, and I said this a little bit earlier, is find that little action because we all want clarity everyone wants clarity. You ask anyone who's stuck, what do you want? Like if you knew everything would work out perfectly, would you do it? Yeah, you would. But you can't have clarity until one, you make a decision. And then two, you take action. Mm. It doesn't happen before that. You're not going to get clarity. And then you make a decision. Like everyone would be millionaires. We'd all be Jeff Bezos. And we all would have put money on Apple stocks and Amazon stocks and Tesla way back when. So that's just not, that's not the reality. So number one, make a decision to make a meaningful change that think about not a goal, but who do you want to become? What is that person like? And then what does that person do? So think about it in terms of running. So I think this was in James Clear's Atomic Habits. Somebody gave a debrief of it. And I've, I've believed this too, but you know, the way he puts it is if you want to run a marathon, right? You just want to become a runner. You don't want to train to run the marathon because that, you know, you're going to hit or miss. But if you just get in the process of becoming a runner, then good things will happen. So think about who you want to become, make that decision, and then two, take action. It doesn't have to be massive action. It's consistency will win every time. So find one small step that it could be. And the power of LinkedIn right now Mm -hmm. is that you have your tribe if you are willing to go out and find it. So... Start creating some content, start looking at people, find people who are putting out energy that matches what you're looking for and just reach out to them. Find a mentor, just ask, you, you know, you, you miss hundred percent of the shots you don't take. Mm-hmm. So if you don't take that action, it, again, it can just be as simple as, Hey, Ray, really love your posts. Would love to chat. Would you be open to it? If you say no, maybe it hurts my feelings a little bit because I think you're a really cool guy. (laughs) But, you know, there's a lot of good people out there. So, yeah, let's do it. And you never know where that connection, that's taking action. And after you take that action, 
you you're going to get clarity now okay this is this sounds good and after clarity you get confidence mm. and what happens after confidence that's opportunity mm. that's when opportunity comes and it works that way every time and i actually learned that like process through my last coach that had mitch whiting phenomenal guy he's the goat i recommend him to anyone but it made so much sense when I looked at it that way, because that's just how everything's worked in my life and in everyone's life when you actually sit back and look at it. Mm -hmm. Great advice. Gosh, that's awesome. Mm -hmm. I think that's how you and I linked up, didn't we? It is. We yeah. met in the comments. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Hey, you sound pretty cool. Let's let's talk. Now, if any of our guests would like to get to know a little more about you and your coaching, do you have a website or LinkedIn site they can go to? So it's my personal LinkedIn page. That is, I am the brand. So it is Angelo Melcuri. So it'll be in the, the comments of the podcast, I'm sure. And you'll, you'll see my name out there. So my posts is, uh, they're a hundred percent authentically me all day, every day. I look to put out energy that is to inspire you and motivate you to help you live your dreams, let you know it's possible. And if you want to work with me one-on-one, -on -one, just DM me. Like I'm not a person who looks to sell. If it's a fit between us, it's a fit and we'll both know it. And if it's not a fit, I'm not going to make an offer to coach. I'm not out to just make money. I've had multiple consultations where I could have said, Hey, let's just, yeah, let's just do this. Right. And just talk them into it. Uh, why would I do that? Right. That, that, that serves no purpose. I'm not out to I'm making money by living my purpose and, you know, providing value. And what do you get in return for value money? That's what the world pays you back in. But I'm not out to make money. I'm out to live my purpose. And I will make money doing that. But it has to be the absolute right fit. So that's what I'd say. Just check out my personal page. If, if you, you know, if the content resonates with it, then let me know what, what my clients mostly have in common. I pitch myself as the sales and staffing pro guy, right? because I came from the staffing industry, but not one of my clients right now comes from staffing. They all have in common. They are a high performer of some sort, right? They always downplay their accomplishments. They have a harsh inner critic. They feel that they should have done more. They're capable of more. You know, they tie their self-worth to a number. So they have a harsh inner critic. They have low confidence. They feel stuck and they have imposter syndrome going on. All things that I've deeply felt and had and you know went from surviving to thriving that's my ideal client those are the people i'll resonate with the most it's agnostic of industry it really is just saying sales and staffing professionals like that's that's more marketing right so people from the industry just see that but reality is it's it's just that my niche is that problem that people have and it's it's so wide at the same time and it, you know it, it hits a lot of people so i'm a no pressure guy just reach out. Yeah. How could you be a high pressure guy if you're just an average dude on a mission to inspire? Man, I love that. So, Angelo, thanks for joining us today. It's been a great chat. Yeah. Thank you so much. This is awesome. Balance Purpose Podcast was created and hosted by me, Ray Trevino, and is produced and edited by Nick Galtney. Thank you for tuning in. We hope you've enjoyed this episode. Check us out at balancepurposepodcast.com and on Instagram at balancepurposepodcast. Remember, Finding your purpose is a journey, not a destination, and it takes time and effort to achieve balance. Make it a great day.